the honor of preaching the first message in our new Itaewon facility will go to my wife. Because the ladies are first. All right. All right. So uh, our beloved, the summoning of our church, she will come up and speak the word of God for us tonight. So uh, let's go ahead and put our hands together. Let's welcome up Aaron Samonim. Okay, why don't you guys open up uh, your Bibles to Numbers chapter 32, verses 1 to 15. I'm so nervous. Okay, let's open up our Bibles. All right, uh, when you guys are there, look up at me. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we're going to take, um, you know what, let's uh, read verse by verse. Uh, I'll start and you guys can read the next verse and so on. We'll take, switch off. Y- y'all ready? Yeah? Okay. Uh, now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock. And they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead. And behold, the place was a place for livestock. Oh, boy. Um, Adaroth, Diban, Jezer, Nimram, Heshbon, Halelala, Seba, Nebo, and beyond. Uh, the land, oh, oops. <laughs> and they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. Why will you discourage the hearts of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Uh, For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord has given them. Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. For if you turn away from the following him, from following him, he will again abandon them in the wilderness and you will destroy all this people. Amen. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this uh, first service here uh, at Itaewon. And we just pray that your presence will begin to just sweep across this place, Father. 
We pray that you just begin to open up our hearts and we pray for your anointing and your spirit, God, just to be upon myself and to, um, yeah, Lord, just begin to saturate every word that leaves my lips. God, we just thank you that you're opening up the ears right now to hear your word. And we just love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here are the Israelites, and they're coming off of a really big victory. Because in chapter 31, they fought against the Midianites, and they totally just demolished them. And not only did they uh, overtake the Midianites, but they also received this huge plunder. And so it was a really, uh, it was a joyful time. They just had a major victory. But the ultimate mission of going into the promised land was not yet fulfilled. Okay. And then here in verses 2 to 5, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad, they ask if they could just settle here on this newly won property. Okay, the Reubenites and the Gadites, they were satisfied in just having their needs met. In verse 4, it says, The land the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And so they figure that this would be a great place to settle down after all that they've been through. And they boldly asked to be excused from the rest of the journey. Basically, what they did was, okay, you know what? This place is awesome. We got livestock. We need livestock to be fed. You know, it's been a tough road so far. And we're just going to lay down our sword here. No more fighting for us. And uh, we're just going to step out. Is that okay? And initially, I thought Moses was going to respond like, man, you guys are just filled with compromise, or uh, you guys give up so easily. You have such a lack of perseverance. How can you give up now? But Moses does not respond in that way. Actually, if you turn with me, it says in the word, where Moses says, shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? And then he goes into describing an earlier incident in the previous generation where 12 spies were sent out. And 10 of these spies, 12 spies were sent out to check out the promised land. And 10 come back and they give a bad report. And that bad report fills the rest of the people with all this fear. And so they're like, no, Moses, we can't go into this promised land. And because of that, that whole generation didn't get to go into the promised land. It was serious, all except Joshua and Caleb, which were the two spies that gave the only good report. See, I was caught up in, man, they're giving up. Or, man, they're compromising. But Moses, he saw straight to the root of the problem. And two reasons why people don't enter the promised land are this. One is fear, and the other is selfishness. See, in the previous generation, fear caught hold of all the people. But here in this situation, the root was selfishness. That had the Reubenites and the Gadites ready to settle. And in that same way, we're all on our journey to the promised land. And what I'm talking about when I say promised land is entering the fulfillment of the promises that God has given you. Stepping into that place, God, I just received, I'm walking, I'm stepping into that promise. I see the full fruition of it, and that is the promised land. And we're all on the journey of that. But one thing that we need to be careful of is a poison that selfishness spreads. See, the dictionary defines selfishness as devoted to or caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's interests, benefits, 
welfare regardless of others. In a nutshell, when you're being selfish, it just means it's all about you. It's all about me. You know, let me tell you something about you. You are royalty. You are redeemed. You are restored. You are a new creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But another truth to that is that it's not all about you. Actually, why don't you tell your neighbor that? It's not about all about you. It ain't all about you. You got to say it like you believe it. Come on now. <laughs> it ain't all about you. See, when you make it all about you, you begin to hoard what God has given you to give away. Your time, your finances, your gifts, they become simply a means for your own ambition, your interests, your goals, and welfare. But here's also some bad theology that I personally had to get over. I used to think that the godly way is, yeah, it's not about me. In fact, it's not about me at all. I'm nothing. I'm replaceable. I'm just a dirty sinner. If I'm not going to do it, God's just going to get somebody else to do it. So it ain't about me. But that's a lie, too, because it is about you. It's just not all about you. You know what I'm saying? It's not all about you, but it's about you making an impact on others. See, you are blessed to be a blessing. In Isaiah 61, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To proclaim, to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. And for some of us, we get stuck on that part where the Lord has anointed me and we're like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if the Lord has anointed me. I'm not really gifted. I don't really have a lot. And we get stuck there. And for some of us, we finally get that revelation that the Lord has anointed me, but we stay there. <laughs> and we just stand, the Lord's anointed me. Mm-hmm. I'm anointed. And we forget the rest of the passage. Why has the Lord anointed you? Why have you been chosen? Why are you royalty? Why are you restored and why are you redeemed? It is to impact others. See, all of us are so ridiculously unique. You know that whole the fingerprint, there's no other fingerprint in this world that's like yours? Doesn't that boggle your mind? But it's not just the fingerprint. See, the way that God has knitted you together, your desires, your gifts, your heart, what you love to do, what you hate, what you can't stand, what, what makes your heart beat, all of that, the way that you created is so unique. There's nobody in this world, in the past, in the present, in the future that is like you or will ever be like you. And with that uniqueness comes a unique call that only you can fulfill. So let me just displace that lie right now. You are not replaceable. But like I said, we just get stuck on that. It's all about me part. Yeah, I'm unique. So it's all about me. But I want to, I want to come against selfishness because I want to tell you what selfishness does. Selfishness not only prevents you from entering the promised land because the Reubenites and Gadites were like, you know what? We don't need to really go there, but it also uh, inhibits others from entering as well. See, Numbers chapter 32, 6 to 7 says, Shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? 
Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? (laughs) Now, when we make it all about us, we forget what we do impacts others. We ignore the responsibility that we have for our actions and how they affect other people. Do you know whether you like it or not, you are making an impact every single day around the people around you. But I want to ask you, what kind of impact are you making? You know, I go on a lot of missions trips, and every missions trip, something that I've learned is that it just takes one. And what I mean by that is if you have a group of people and something sudden happens and that one person decides to just get overwhelmed with frustration and stay there and they start manifesting that frustration with grumpiness or being rude or, or saying cutting remarks, it affects the whole group. The whole group. And in that same way, if you have one person that chooses to fight and respond with joy despite the circumstance, that also affects the whole group. See, we're designed, we're called to make impact. What kind of impact are you making? And I think that's why membership is so important, to have an understanding of what true membership is. Because it's not just about doing this and doing that. It's about understanding that what you do affects others. And if you decide to join this family, what you do is going to affect the family. You guys know you have some family members that be causing trouble, right? I mean, I know I do. Actually, I was that person. (laughs) But the Lord has redeemed me. Um, Causing all sorts of stressful things, family meetings going on because of me. I mean, it just takes one person, you know? But I was so caught up in myself that I had no idea that what I did was impacting my family. I was just thinking about me. It was all about me. But when you have that right understanding of what it means to have a church family, we know, man, it's so important what we do. And because of that, we have to keep each other accountable. That's what membership is. We have this responsibility to one another, and I think we forget that all the time. I know I forget that all the time. The battles I choose to fight and not to fight, it affects the people around me. You know, there was uh, this show on MTV called My Super Sweet 16. You guys know that show? It's about these, like, obnoxiously rich girls. Oh, actually, sometimes it was boys. But um, they would have these, like, birthday parties that cost, like, 100000 Like, at the end, like, the parents are like, here's your present. And it's like a, like a Maybach or like a, a Maybach. I mean, how much better can you get than a Maybach? And it's just these really, really spoiled kids. And they filmed the whole thing. And it's like them throwing tantrums. Like, I want my Maybach. Or I want this dress. And it's just them bugging out. It's crazy. I love it. And um, in response to that Super Sweet 16 show, I think so many people complain about how spoiled these kids were that MTV made another reality show where they send these Super Sweet 16 girls into, like, the middle of nowhere. And they have to live there for, like, a week. Do you guys ever see that show? That show's good. All right, so there's this one episode where this girl who had, like, her parents were loaded, and she had this extravagant birthday party. I mean, homegirl's really, really spoiled. And they sit her down, and they're like, honey, we're going to send you to the Amazon. She's like, what? They're like, we're going to send you to the Amazon 
jungle for one week. And they send her to the Amazon jungle, okay? And they document this whole thing where she meets another 16-year-old girl. And they, they take her onto what they do every day. And she just lives their life for one week. And so one of the first things that they do is to go walk. I think they walk like miles um, to get some water, some clean water and some food. And she had to learn to balance that on her head. You know, like people, you learn how to do that. Anyway, and so um, she's balancing it on her head and she's, she can't handle it. Like, I don't think she did any sort of physical labor in her life. And so she's like, oh my gosh, this sucks. I hate this. Like saying it in English. And they had to keep stopping because of her. And it just slowed the whole process down. Well, finally, they get home, and they start cooking. And they realize that the things that uh, they picked, they waited so long to get home that it wasn't fresh anymore, and they couldn't make it. And uh, she didn't know, but that was the food for the whole village. So that night, the whole village went to bed without dinner. And so she's sitting there, and she's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> And she's like, I didn't know it was for the whole village. And I mean, she was just, she just realized at that point, wow, I didn't realize people were depending on me. I was so, she was just so consumed about how much pain she was going through and how much her shoulders hurt and how she never did this in her life before that she didn't realize how many people were depending on her at that very moment. And we have people that depend on us. And I'm not saying that as to, to give you a burden, but I'm saying there's a responsibility in each of us to fight. I love that show. <laughs> Our selfishness can actually prohibit others from getting into their promised land because of the impact that we're making on them. That's, that's a lot of weight to carry. But what else, what selfishness also does, it prohibits our potential. See, when you make it all about you, I think we don't go as far as we could go. You know, I'm in a sorority. I don't know if you guys know that about me, but when I was a freshman in college, I pledged for a sorority. And uh, if you know anything about pledging, it's crazy. Okay, it's a lot. It's it's crazy, and um, I'm not gonna mention what sorority I'm in, um, <laughs> but we got hazed. Okay, I mean it was physical, it was insane, and I it it was like eight weeks of pure hell. But something that I realized during pledging is I didn't know how far I could go, and the way that they challenged me in that way is that they would say. Okay, if you're not going to do this stuff or this, uh, the rest of your sisters are going to do it for you. And when I realized the weight, the pressure, not the pressure, but the dependency of the need that I had to play my role in my group, I stepped it up. I stepped it up. And, man, I did things I never thought I could do. I don't normally work out. Um... <laughs> at all, but I would, anyway, I was crazy, okay, (laughs) Um, because of my desire to do that for my sisters, and it's, it's almost the same thing, what you do for others, it reaches so much more than what you do for yourself, if you tap into that kind of selflessness, 
You know, in Ezekiel 47, I heard this awesome message by Chris Valentin from Bethel, and he was talking about the river that flows from the temple. Okay, and it's a temple that initially, in his message, he was representing the temple as a church. And it's interesting because as a river flows further away from the temple, the deeper it gets. And that river represents what the spirit is doing, the power of God. And he was saying, we need to stop chilling at a church all the time because when we go further away from being in the church, but not being in the church, but being the church, the spirit goes deeper. And I think it's the same for ourselves. We are the temple as well. And when we begin to walk away from it's all about me, the level of impact and the spirit's power that comes with that, I think, deepens. The farther we go, the water begins to get deeper. See, the fight we're called to is bigger than us. See, selfishness tells you that when you hit a place that's good and that satisfies you, it's time to put your sword down and just stay there. Your battle becomes maintaining what you have. But God did not create us to be more than conquerors to do maintenance. He called us to dream big because our destiny is bringing others into their promised land. Because it's not all about us. It's about impacting others. You could just look at the example of Esther. Esther didn't get her breakthrough of going from an orphan to a queen just to be royal. Okay, but her breakthrough was designed to bring breakthrough to all of the Jewish people. Paul did not get an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus just to become a good, passionate Christian man. But his breakthrough was designed to bring breakthrough to all of the Gentiles. And Joseph didn't see his dreams of becoming a man of serious influence being fulfilled just so he can show off his new ring. But it was to save the people of God from starvation. It's not all about you, but it's about you participating in what God is doing. See, the Reubenites and the Gadites, they found themselves in a good place. They were rich. They finally obtained some good land that could meet their needs. And in our journey to the promised land, we're going to hit those places as well, where things are pretty decent. They're good. And we're going to be tempted to settle there. But you can't settle for good when we're called to bring others to what's promised. We can't settle with our own healing and deliverance when we're called to bring others into their healing and deliverance. See, what we're called to do is so much greater than us, and it involves the destiny and the promises being fulfilled for other people that we cannot give up. That the fact that the Reubenites and the Gadites were like, you know what, I'm going to put my sword down here because I'm straight. Okay? That wasn't just compromise. It was compromise, compromise rooted in selfishness. Because they didn't think about the rest of the people of God who had to cross over into the promised land, and that wasn't going to come without a fight. We're anointed to set others free. It's crazy because your destiny and my destiny, it's all mixed in together. And when you pursue your breakthrough, you're actually going after the breakthrough for a lot of other people. So when you feel like you want to give up or, you know what, I'm tired or maybe I'll just stay right here. You got to remember, it ain't all about you. It's not all about you. But you have the destiny and the purpose to bring breakthrough to nations. We're called to fight. 
And we're called to fight for each other. It's not just for ourselves and the promises that we're holding on to personally. It's about seeing our neighbor's promises getting fulfilled as well. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, I'll fight for you. <laughs> you gotta, don't sound like you believe it. I'll fight for you. <laughs> it says in verse 15, for if you turn away from following him, he will again abandon them in the wilderness. You will destroy all this people. Man. Yikes. If you give up now, it's hopeless for the rest of them. If you turn away from following him, because that's what it's all about, following him. It's not about getting to the good place. It's not just about seeing things being established or seeing your personal breakthroughs. It's about following him. And if you give up on following him, you will destroy all this people. That's the word that he gave them. That's intense. And it was at that moment, the fear of God came upon the people of Reuben and the people of Gad. And this is what they said in response. We will take up arms. We're ready to go for the people of Israel until we brought them to their place. We will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. Basically what they said is this isn't our promised land until everybody's in their inheritance. I'm not finished until everybody gets their inheritance. We're called to fight. And it's not just for us, but we're called to fight for one another. And it's just not here for New Philly, but we're called to fight for this nation. And it's not just this nation, South Korea, but we're called to fight for North Korea. I feel like we've been enlisted here in Seoul for such a time as this. And whether you feel like it or not, whether you're comfortable where you're at or not, it doesn't matter. You can't put your sword down. You need to keep it at your hand and keep fighting until we see others getting into their promised land. We can't settle and be satisfied with what we have right now when our brothers to the north haven't reached their promised land. We need to take arms, but what does that mean? See, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting a physical battle here. Okay, but we're fighting a battle on our knees. And it's a call to prayer. It's a call to prayer without ceasing. And that's why these prayer meetings are so crucial, whether it's Friday fire, a joint prayer meeting, or if it's a North Korea prayer meeting that goes on before this. It doesn't matter. You can't put your sword down. You can't sit here when there's a war still going on. When you enter a prayer meeting, you get into a place of government. Okay, even here right now, we're in a place of government. It's where we allow and disallow, where we agree or where we veto things. It's important that you're here and that you represent what you believe in. 
Because things are getting established in the spiritual realm. It's important that we gather. And I feel like, even for me, I've been drowned in this selfishness. And that's even why I preach this message, is because I've been making it so much about me. God just, boom, hit me with this chapter. And he was like, it ain't all about you. You better wake up. I'm like, Lord, I go to so many prayer meetings. I go to, I do Emmaus. I do so much for you. He's like, what? What are you talking? It ain't all about you. I'm like, but I'm tired. And I just want a Saturday to myself. And man, I was laying out all the excuses because I was making it all about me. And then God was like, how are you going to put your sword down? How are you going to put your sword down when your brothers are still fighting? And man, I got convicted. <laughs> then my prayers turned into, forgive me. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but I believe that that's the calling that we have right now. And that's the message that God wants to give. That we ought to fight our selfish temptations. And we need to stand up, pick up our sword, and we need to continue fighting. Whether it's for your behalf, because your destiny affects others, or on the behalf of others. We cannot give up. We can't stay in the good place. But you got to keep pressing forward until the inheritance comes into the hands of all those who believe. And so I believe God is calling us to respond in the same way as the people of Reuben and the people of Gad did. You hear that word come in and you say, all right, God, it isn't all about me. It isn't all about me. It's about me making an impact, though. And now we're destined to make an impact in this world. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I'm just going to pray a prayer. Father God, we just come to you in honesty, Lord. That we find ourselves in a place where we think it's all about us. God, and we allow selfishness to tempt us to compromise or to settle and to give up on seeing the full fruition of your word being fulfilled. But God, we want to make a stand today as a church that we will not put our sword down. But God, we will stand up and fight as long as there is a fight to fight, Lord. God, that we will not give up meeting together and getting on our knees and crying out and establishing your will on this earth. And so God, we pray even in this house, in the Itaewon church, that you will create a house of prayer. And you will bring forth and gather a people, Father, that's ready to stand up, God, for those who can't fight for themselves. God, that we will not give up or we will not back up until we see North Korea fully released and the doors fully open. And not only when the doors are open, but until your kingdom invades every part of that land, we will not put our sword down. God, and we just pray that you would open up our eyes to see That what we do is not just about us, but it impacts one another, Lord. And Father, we pray that the impact that we make, not only on this nation, but just simply to our neighbor, would be an impact of hope. 
an impact of perseverance, an impact of joy, an impact of freedom, Lord. God, we just pray that every spirit of selfishness, God, that you would just bind up. And that today we will make war on that lie that it's all about us. God, and we thank you that even though it's not all about us, Father, it involves us. And God, that you have chosen us with purpose, Lord. Just as you've chosen Esther and Apostle Paul and King David and Father Joseph, God, just as you've chosen them to impact their nation, we thank you that you have chosen us. And so, God, we just pray, Father, that you would just begin to break everything that inhibits us, Lord, from going all out for you. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. God, and we just pray over North Korea. And God, we pray over Israel. We pray, God, over sex trafficking. We pray, God, over just all the injustices, God, that are going on in this world. And God, we pray that you continue to open up our eyes to see that the fight's still going. The fight is still going, and you're calling us to go forth into the land that you have promised us. And we thank you that we're fighting a fight that's already been won. And God, we pray that we will walk in that conquering spirit, Lord. Yeah, God, we just thank you so much that you believe in us. We just love you, Lord, and we just seal these prayers in your son's name. Amen. Amen.